Hey, everybody. Dave Hagen here. Let's talk about intelligence, at least according to Steve Jobs. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast, or the TFWP, as we like to call it. You're listening to episode 411. And with me today, Mr. Nick Appel. Nick, how you doing? Hey, Dave, I can't believe it's already episode 411. Who would have thought, right? Back when we started. Incredible. Our fourth, we're a good way into the the fourth season. And we still have stuff to talk about. Go figure. (laughs) Where do you come up with this stuff? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Brian Reed, everybody, is uh, still on a much-deserved vacation. Look for him coming uh, back from that vacation in a couple of weeks. And then the roundtable will be once again, full. Although I think, Nick, you're going to be uh, punching out here for a little while. Aren't you studying for a little quiz coming up? Oh, yeah. Um, Let's talk about something else, Dave. (laughs) Just a little quiz called the California Bar Exam. (laughs) Oh, man. I I just got my my prep books and uh, they weighed 16 pounds. Well, I mean, if nothing else, you'll be in good shape. You'll have great biceps from from lifting these books. Yeah. Anyway, new new topic, Dave. New topic. Well, what I want to talk about today is intelligence. And I saw an interesting article in Inc. Magazine written by Jeff Hayden. Um, Check it out. I don't read Inc. consistently, but when I do, I usually find a couple of interesting things. And it was about how to increase your intelligence. And it caused me to start thinking about this whole topic of intelligence. And Hayden says that Jeff Bezos, and we all know Bezos from Amazon, richest man in the world, at least most weeks, said that the best indicator of high intelligence is a willingness to change your mind. Hmm. Steve Jobs defined it differently. He said, a lot of it's memory, but a lot of it's the ability to zoom out. Like if you're in a city, And you could look at the whole thing from the 80th floor and other people are trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B, reading those stupid little maps. And you can just see it all in front of you from the 80th floor. You can see the whole thing. You can make connections that seem obvious because you're looking at the whole thing. So according to Jobs, intelligence is based on connecting the dots. I kind of think of it as looking at the big picture. And I've been saying this for years. Hey, look at the big picture. For a local magazine, I wrote a column for four or five years. And I was talking to one of the readers at the coffee shop one day. And he said, you know, I think one of the themes that goes through your your column is look at the big picture. So I got to tell you, I was feeling pretty full of myself when I saw that Steve Jobs says, look at the big picture. Now, apparently, there are at least eight different types or forms of intelligence. I, I didn't know this. I had always focused on two, at least in my life, 
because it seems to me there's book smarts and street smarts, and they're pretty different concepts. Book smarts, apparently, is called crystallized intelligence. It's based upon, upon accumulating knowledge, facts, figures, memory. Street smarts is more like fluid intelligence. It's the ability to obtain information and use it to solve a problem or learn a new skill or use it to solve a current problem. So I think those are very different people. And of course, book smart people are not always street smart people. In fact, I love to use the phrase when I was younger, hey, that guy is a 4-0 on paper, 1-0 in life. I mean, that was the guy that was the curve wrecker that was able to get the good grade, but my goodness, could barely pull on a pair of pants and a belt. And they made it difficult in school because they could get really good grades, but to apply it, a different skill. Plenty of people are book smart. Plenty of people are street smart. But those who are both, those who can do both, is the grand slam. And I think those are the people that change the world. Now, the process of increasing crystallized intelligence tends to be different from the process of fluid intelligence. If you want more book smarts, the process is simple. Read more books, go to more classes. The more you dive into a topic, the more you'll know. If you want more street smart though, it requires you to really look into something thoroughly and then move on to something new over and over again. You need to compare those relationships. And I think that this is more difficult. It seemed to me that what Steve Jobs was talking about was more street smarts than he was talking about book smarts because he was talking about connecting the dots and he was looking at different concepts and using them together. And yes, you need to have book smarts because you need to have dots to connect. But street smarts is what connects all the other dots. If I had to choose between the two, I would take both. Wouldn't you, Nick? Definitely would, Dave. I had to think about it for a second, but I, I think that is the whole enchilada. Right. <laughs> but then if you had to choose between book or street, what would you take? Um, you know, Dave, it's interesting. Um, it might be a tangent or not, but in law school, you know, they say the people who are always in the library, those are going to be the judges. Those are going to be the very high ups, the scholars, Th those who, you know, study a little bit. Those are the people that just get by. But the great attorneys are going to be the people who are half in the library studying all the time and half not. And I think it's really similar to this. I, I think those who go farthest in life are half book smarts and half street smarts. And I don't right. know if I, if I would pick one over the other. But what if you had to? Well, twist my arm harder, Dave. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I would we, take I would take I was, street I would, smarts any day of the week. I, I, I was just going to say, I would, I would take street smarts just because, you know, you, you could always get around everything if, if you're very street smart. Right, right. Well, and for that matter, um, you know, book smarts can be acquired by a business by hiring smart people. You know, they say Steve Jobs didn't, didn't write a lot of computer code. Rather, he, he hired people to write the code and then combined them 
with unique and different concepts and in unique and different ways. And I think that that was what changed the world. I mean, the software was written by, for years, by one fellow predominantly, and they were very successful. The fellow who wrote the code, I'm sure he made a lot of money over the years, but not, not jobs money. But, but also I think, you know, street smarts, having those street smarts are kind of like the it factor. You just have the it factor, like, oh, wow. And, and like what you were saying, how you can acquire book smarts, I don't know if you can necessarily acquire street smarts. I think it's almost kind of innate. You're, you're kind of like born with it. Well, I think it can be developed, but it's got to be developed over time. And I think a lot of people are born with it. It's, it is innate, but you've, you've got to develop it. You know, I like to think of myself as a, a street smart kind of person, but every morning I get up and I read the newspaper, whether I agree with their opinions or how they're casting the information or not, but I want a new field of data with which to move forward that day. And I can talk to somebody on the other coast and say, hey, did you read about that thing that happened in Florida? Da, 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 da. It's amazing how much stuff that's in the newspaper can apply every day and give you examples of how to move things around and consider things and analyze it. Um, I think that at least that's what I do. At least that's what I do, you know? I mean, think about it. Jobs, the smartphone. Everybody carries a smartphone. Everybody has a smartphone. Remember when we had a little cell phone and it was a StarTAC and it flipped up and the antenna came up? Actually, it was pretty cool. I wish I had got one of those. But it was really hard to access the internet. And they weren't that flexible. I was, I was going to say, I, I really like the flip phones because when I get pissed off, you just slam the phone together. Slam the phone. Yeah, as long as your finger ain't in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even in remote parts of the earth now, I mean, even in remote de desert regions or jungle regions or, or cold regions, everybody seems to have a, a smartphone. And in fact, Musk is putting up satellites that'll go all around the earth and he'll have his own cellular network even in the most remote parts of the world, because a hundred or what, maybe even 1500 of these satellites are going to be floating around the earth in an asynchronous orbit, which means they stay basically in the same place at the same time. He's going to change, he's going to change communication. And despite the fact that that's so important, this smartphone is what I'm talking about. Think about it. It was Steve Jobs that combined the phone Internet, internet access and the text messaging, right? I mean, he he said when he introduced, I mean, go back and look at the, the YouTube of when he introduced the phone. He says, it's one, it's two, it's three. And everybody was kind of laughing. And he says, you people don't understand this. These are his own employees. It's one, it's two, it's three. And it took five, six, seven years for that to finally sink in. Everybody has them in their pocket now. It has changed the world. How about, Nick, how do you trade stock? What cell device phone. do you use? Cell phone, iPhone. Absolutely. People are using, um, what's it called? Robinhood, which is a very uh, easy program to use. Apparently, it's on the, on the cell phone. When I want to look at a stock quote, I go to the cell phone. If I want some information about what is the total United States debt, I type that in in the browser on the cell phone, and I have the information of the world, of collective humanity, good and bad, 
at my fingertips. It's incredible. It's just incredible to me. You know, even Stephen Covey wrote in his book, The High Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He said one of those habits, one of those seven habits is look at the big picture. Because he said, begin with the end in mind. But I think part of that is really look at the big picture. And we've talked about Covey stuff many times on the podcast, uh, you know, beginning with the end in mind. In To me, it means look at the big picture. Take a look at the big picture. So, Nick, I was thinking about, you know, your, your progress through law school even. Um, you know, here you were, you were working, you had a job, you were making decent money, not exactly what you wanted to do. But you looked at the big picture and said, I want to do something different. You had to radically change what was going on in your life. Um, oh, yeah. You had, to, you had to change where the town that you were living in. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine where I was three years ago and, you know, where I'm going to be in three years. No, exactly. Now. Exactly. And what caused you, as you think back, what caused you to look back and, I guess, look at the big picture, right? Say, hey, I want to go spend three years in another town. Uh, dragging around big books? Well, first of all, you can't beat San Diego. Um, if I had to pick a city to live in, it'd be San Diego. Um, second, um, I was getting paid in you know the $20 an hour range and the firm was billing me out at $150 an hour. <laughs> wow. And I just thought to myself, I think I want to be on the opposite side. I, mm -hmm. I want to be the one with uh, paralegals billing them out at a much higher rate. You're thinking, you're thinking, I'll take one of those where I can pay someone 20 and bill them at 150. Or even a, a law student who uh, works for free. Yeah, so true, so true. But you were looking at the big picture. You were looking at the structure of a law firm. You were looking yeah. at the big picture of that whole industry and saying, I want to I be in a different set of shoes in that. Exactly. I'm not sure if it was Bezos or Jobs who said it, but I really liked the picture, the illustration of, you know, being on the 80th story, looking down, and it's much easier to connect the dots from that vantage point. Right. I, th I think it's, it's very good, a very good illustration. Right. And so many times, it seems to me, you get up in the morning, at least I do, and you go, here are the five, here are the five points I have to hit today. These are the five things that I need to do. And when I'm doing that, I'm standing at street level, looking at street signs, mapping my way, through that city. And yet, hopefully, a couple times during the day, I'll run up to the 80th floor and look. But the propensity, the human nature, it seems to me, is to stay at street level and just keep reading the signs. And then you won't be able to look at the big picture, understand the big picture, connect the dots, and move in the ultimate direction that you, that you want to go. So the takeaway today, or the big picture thought is, look at the big picture. Use your street smarts to connect the dots. If you don't think you have enough street smarts, start developing some street smarts. Put yourself in a position where you can develop that skill. If you got good street smarts and not enough dots, go get some more dots. Get some data into your brain. But don't get lost in the individual street signs, the individual stop signs. Look at the big picture to see where you are and where you're going. This is Dave Hagan.
and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, we got some emails. Nick, why don't you pull one out of there and read it off to me? All righty. So this one is from Terry. It says, Dave, my husband and I have been married for about five years. We both work and make a good living, making around 150000 between the two of us. However, we also have no savings and $75,000 in debt. I'm trying to get my husband to sit down and draft out a plan for financial wellness. However, he doesn't like budgets, Dave. Any advice how to get him on board? Thanks a lot, Terry. Whoa, Terry, I got some some very interesting comments, several comments here. First of all, your husband uh, doesn't like budgets. Neither do I. So I'm not on board. I'm not digging it. Budgets are like a diet. When you're on it, you don't want to be on it. When you're on a diet, you're hungry. When you're on a budget, you want to spend money. I don't like budgets. Never have. But a spending plan. Hmm. But a spending plan. That's something to chew on. Uh, point number two. You're making 150000 between the two of you. You know, that probably puts you in the top 10, 15% nationally. It may not feel like it, but there's a lot of people out there just getting through paycheck to paycheck, not making 150000 not making $100,000. So that is something to really appreciate and enjoy and be grateful for. We've talked about having an attitude of gratitude over the years here at TFWP. And I think that making 150 between the two of you is something to be very grateful for. Now, the third point, you're making 150, but you owe 75 in debt. So your, your debt to annual income ratio is, you know, one to one to two. Your, your debt is half of your annual income. And that is a point, especially if that's on high interest credit card debt, that's a point where it is very dangerous, very dangerous. If you get too much debt, you could, you could become financially terminal. That debt is going to eat you alive unless you get your hands uh, around that really, really quick. So I guess your question really was though, how to get him on board. And I've got some, some thoughts. One, um, set up a time where the, the two of you are going to, um, get away from everybody, whether it's a weekend or, a, you know, half a morning in a park or, or in a restaurant or something where that's going to be the topic. That's just going to be the topic that you're going to talk about. You can't have interruptions when you're starting to, to move into this kind of thing. You need to have some reflective quality time, just the two of you. Two, don't talk about budgets. Talk about spending plans. Talk about being appreciative of the amazing income that the two of you have and using that for your long-term benefit. And of course, at the, uh, any kind of plan is going to involve getting rid of the debt and an emergency fund 
and closing out credit cards accounts and, and all those kinds of things that we talked about in the first five episodes of TFWP almost four years ago. But you need to sketch these things down on a piece of paper. Hey, what are we going to do? First, the thing we're going to put ourselves on some kind of a spending plan. Let's decide how we want to spend our money. And then you're going to follow that and follow your spending for a couple months and see. Two, you're going to put together a plan to pay down that debt. Three, you're going to put together a plan to generate uh, some kind of um, uh, emergency fund, three to six months of, of operational expenses. And then I would start talking about the long term. That would be the next thing. Well, where are we going to be in 10 years, 20 years? Because if you talk about, well, maybe we'll have a house, maybe we'll have a, you know, a child or two, at least a dog, right? at least a dog, and we'll have some money in the bank account, we'll be able to go on a modest vacation, and we'll continue to appreciate our income. Now you're starting to paint a picture that he can emotionally get his hands around. Remember, we've said the motto for this year is, it's about your heart, not your head. You can have all the information about how to proceed financially and, and be successful, stocks and bonds and savings and insurance and all that stuff. But if your heart's not in it, you ain't going to do it. So you got to get his heart involved. And the way to do that is begin with the end in mind. I know we just talked about that, but begin with the end in mind and say, what's this going to look like? How would that make us feel? How do we get there? And then you start to develop that plan. But if you don't get him on board emotionally, it's, it's just not going to happen. Just not going to happen. So I hope that that gives you a few things to, to think about. Nick, any thoughts over there? I think, I, you know, Dave, just like you, I don't like budgets. And I, but I, 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 do, I, I, but I do think that everyone should have a way to, limit their spending in certain ways. Sure. And um, besides that, I would just hope uh, maybe your husband wants to come on the podcast and talk to Dave. Maybe, oh. maybe, maybe we can do that. <clears throat> yeah, we could straighten things out, right? <laughs> no, but that's exactly how, that's exactly how I would do it. I, I would, I would talk about, you know, clean up some of the, the short-term mechanics and then, you know, work for the heart what how can you get there what would this look like how would this feel how incredible would that be i was talking to somebody saturday night i had a, um, some friends come over and we were sitting in the backyard outside totally social distanced and this very very astute business man was talking to my wife and she was talking about how she was a certified financial planner and her, a lot of her clients tended to be young and he said that's great working with young people for financial planning because they've got the long runway to plan on. And I immediately knew here was a fella that really understood things from the big picture. When you have a longer runway, you can be more successful because you have more seven year periods for your savings to compound. You have a longer period of time to get to where you want to be. And that's pretty cool, but it takes looking at the big picture. It takes getting him to be emotionally on board. It takes getting excited from the heart, not from the head. 
Well, I think that's all we've got this week. Good luck with that, Terry. Um, tune in next week. We're going to talk about some of the richest people in the world again and see what we can learn from that. That's a wrap. This is Dave Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.